Hello, women's hockey fans. Welcome to another edition of the Original Eight series, part of the Founding Four podcast. I'm your host, Erica Lindsay Ayala. We today will hear from Kaylee Fratkin. Fratty is a member of the Boston Pride for the last three seasons, but she also played with the Connecticut Whale in season one, and she played with the New York Riveters, of course now the Metropolitan Riveters, in season two. Kaylee Fratkin has been with the league. She's one of the five timers, as I like to say, and I was able to speak with her just a few days after we learned that the Isabel Cup final between Fratty's Boston Pride and the Minnesota Whitecaps would be postponed indefinitely because of the coronavirus pandemic that unfortunately we still see ourselves facing as a country, as a world. So you'll hear Fratty and I talk a little bit about that, just some of the initial reactions of both of us to having sports stalled. But we also get into a lot of really great topics. Fracken is really honest about her journey and all of the stops along the way and what made the situations ripe for her to relocate for each of the seasons that she did so. She talks openly about some of the challenges that the Connecticut Whale team had in season one. She talks about being recruited by Chad Wiseman in season two. And we talk a little bit about three, four, and five, seasons three, four, and five. Uh, You'll see that we open up with a reference to NWHL Open Ice, the Anya Packer episode. I, for one, am really excited for the potential for follow-up on that topic, but I'm going to let you hear Fratty tell the story there. Here is our sixth installment of the Original 8 series featuring Kaylee Fratkin. All right, so I am on with Kaylee Fratkin, one of our uh, special guests for the series that we're doing, the original eight. Uh, So Kaylee has played in the NWHL all five seasons, and uh, it seems like uh, your your most recent stop, and at least last I remember, likely your final stop in the NWHL. You're with the Boston Pride, and uh, TBD on uh, that Isabel Cup final. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully soon. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah, we are uh, talking. Um, we are uh, in the, you know, like, a, what is it? Soft, soft lockdown, I think that's happening on the East Coast. Uh, so, of course, yeah. uh, glad to hear you're doing all right. Yeah, hanging in there. Um, getting a lot of uh, quality bonding time with my dog, my boyfriend, um, probably want to kill each other at this rate. We're only like two days in, so the other hands out. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Uh, just, just remind everyone we got to keep you healthy for that final. <laughs> priorities, yeah, definitely. Yeah, priorities. Uh, but uh, I was teasing you a little bit uh, as we were coming on air. Uh, Anya Packer now. Uh, was on open ice. Obviously, you you two go way back. Um, and and I said I, I want to clear the air, set the record straight on something that was mentioned on open ice last night. Now I have for years, for years, Kaylee, been just admiring and giving propos to Anya for her wardrobe. And I understand that she's been taking credit for your good eye. What's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she. Uh... She takes credit for a lot, I would say, between our uh, 
between our friendship and how her her talk tracks and say, you know, there's always a a, a puppet behind the puppet master behind it all. So I'll, I'll, I'll take the credit there. No, she, uh, yeah, I've uh, low-key been her stylist for, for multiple years now. So, um, yes, I am the, the, the method and brains behind it all, I guess. I'll take credit for it. Wow, amazing, amazing. I mean, especially, like, coat game, just so strong. That's important in <laughs> hockey. That's important. It's very important. If you, you got to take a walk through my closet. Oh, man. Probably not a lot of people see, you know, coming into the, the rink wearing, but um, if you ask anyone on the team, maybe. I'd like to say I got a strong, strong coat game. All right. I love it when I start an interview and I already have an idea for the next interview. So we're going to we're going to have to deep dive into into the closet and uh, the wardrobe. I'm, I'm so excited. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, OK, but we're here for for the uh, original eight series because you are one of eight players that has been in the league and uh, for all five seasons, I should say. And yeah. Uh, yeah. and uh, so what I've been doing is I'm trying to get to all eight players. I think uh, with you, uh, with this interview today, I've got two more. So we're almost there. So close. But uh, so I'm asking everyone similar questions. Uh, so the first is when you hear that and you've heard it, f- you know, for this entire season, for sure. But when you hear that there are eight players that have been in the NWHL for all five seasons, I mean, what's your initial reaction to that? It's... Um it's, it's, it's awesome. I mean, this league, there's a ton of turnover every single year just with the uh, reality of the fact that it's, um, you know, the, the beginning of a, of a women's professional, um, you know, of women's professional hockey in general. So uh, the reality of, you know, being in, still in its infancy in year five, you, uh, you know, there's turnover each year. Uh, year one, there's a ton of termo- turnover. Uh, for, for uh, I would say, most reasons, just because of uh, salary and just the nature of it's ever-changing each year. So um, it, it kind of amounts to a lot of turnover. So I think given uh, all of that, um, the fact that a lot of rinks relocate and um, has to play into, you know, in the players where, where they work and, and some of these other um, stipulations. So I think given that fact, the fact that there's eight people in general, um, I think speaks, speaks volumes to, um, you know, some of the things that the league has been doing uh, as of recent uh, to progress and, and change each year to get better. So um, it's pretty awesome to, to have been a part, to be a part of this group and uh, play with and, and against these players over the course of the, the five years. So, um, you know, there's a mutual like, respect amongst all of those veteran players and uh, to kind of be a part of that group and, uh, you know, talk to a lot of these players on and off the ice and, um, you know, hopefully, you know, and many years from now we can look back and we could be those grizzled eight veterans that <laughs> were a part of founding this league and, and being a part of it, um, you know, for, for multiple years. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, as I, I made mention, your journey is unique to to all of the players. Some have um, been on different teams, but you've you've been able to play on three different teams, so three different franchises. And, and I'm curious, you know, uh, we've talked about this through, throughout the years, but, um, you know, you, you just mentioned how difficult it is because of the landscape of, of women's hockey. You know, unfortunately, I think you could also make that case for women's sports, but there's a lot that goes into signing uh, a contract every year, and the NWHL has contracts that you you go year to year. But for you, um, you know, you were with the Connecticut Whale, the Riveters, and now with Boston. Um, how did you? 
and how were you able to make the decision each year to, to come back, even though, you know, for th- at least three of those seasons, you've changed teams? And, and with Boston, if I remember correctly, your first season with Boston, you kind of came in in, in the middle of, of the season. We weren't sure we were going to get Fratty back. Um, but so just kind of walk through um, your specific journey when it comes to having to make those decisions. Yeah, it's um, it's the, the nature of, you know, where what was happening kind of in the league for, you know, first year um, ended up in Connecticut. Um, it was really a, a place that kind of ended up coming about um, just through going to try out. Uh, I had played for the Boston Blades and had been in Boston for four years of college, fifth year, and I was kind of looking for a first scenery change. So uh, opportunity came up, uh, came up to go to Connecticut, me and Anya, um, you know, banded together, and I was like, hey, let's, like, do you want to go to Connecticut? She's like, I've never lived outside of the state of Massachusetts. You know, born and raised in Mass, we went to college together. Um, and I was like, let's go do something different. I'm always the type of person that is, like, an adventurous person, always wants to do new things, always likes to move. You know, I grew up in Vancouver, Canada, and went to, uh, you know, went to school all the way on the opposite coast, um, you know, in a, of the continent. So for me, I always picked up and moved. It wasn't, it wasn't really foreign to me. So I figured, you know, what's our kind of our best chance in this situation to get an opportunity to play somewhere? Um, thinking that a lot of the people from Boston were going to stay there and get a ton of Olympians. And I'd always been in Boston, so I was like, why not move to Connecticut? So. We went to free agency camp or to, you know, the, the, the first camp uh, in Connecticut. And, you know, we were both offered roster positions, so it kind of just worked out. And to do it with someone that I had lived with um, and had such a good, you know, friendship with, and um, it was just so easy to kind of have that familiarity. And if we were both going to go to a new foreign place, why not do it together? So uh, that's how Connecticut came about. And then um, I was finishing up my master's degree or halfway through my master's at that time and kind of finishing it off uh, online. And then at the end of the season in Connecticut, um, Chad Wiseman called me up and was like, do you have interest in coming to play for us? So he actually pursued me to come play for the Riveters. And at that time, um, you know, there was a lot of rumblings. We had a lot of, we had coaching turnovers. We had three or four different GMs go through our organization that year. Like we had a ton go on in Connecticut and there was a lot of players that, um, of, of the core of us that we're looking to disband and actually, you know, we're talking on the front end of, you know, this probably isn't, you know, a, a healthy organization at the time to be at, uh, even for how successful of a season we had, a lot of players were looking to kind of jump ship. So when Chad Wiseman kind of preemptively uh, reached out and, and pursued me to come play for the Riveters, uh, it was kind of a situation that uh, actually we thought would be a good setup. I had family there in New Jersey and it was kind of a new adventure and, uh, like we talk about the progression of, of women's uh, pro hockey in the NWHL is kind of where it was going. It was kind of a, a new opportunity to, to go play for an organization that, you know, wanted me to be there. And um, and that's kind of the, how that came about. And, um, you know, about reality set in when, you you know, you're kind of picking up and moving. Uh, you know, the salary uh, got cut in year two. Uh, kind of reality set in that uh, I'm Canadian. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, uh, if, you could, if you could imagine a lot of, uh, you know, difficulty with, with, with that just in general. Um, and, you know, not to mention just the realities of life. I was doing a long-distance relationship for about two years. My boyfriend was in, uh, he was in um, 
in college at BU still. So, uh, you know, there was kind of just the, the natural uh, livelihood of being in a relationship too and long distance. And um, so a lot of things were just kind of going on and at the end of uh, the, the year with the Riveters um, because the league was in really a really sensitive place. It was understanding uh, what kind of I had to do for, for, for the sake of myself and, and being paid and being an immigrant in the league and being under, you know, visa restrictions. So uh, I took the summer to go um, work for a company in uh, D.C., Virginia, um, to uh, had a connection there and, uh, you know, make some money in the, in the off season and figure that out. And then um, didn't know if I was actually going to stay there for the remainder of the year and be done with hockey. Um, just for the nature of the league, you know, a lot of players come in for about a year or two and then they take off and leave just because of, um, you know, the restrictions that I'm all talking about. So that very much set in for me. And then uh, at that point, um, you know, I realized I want to be back in Boston. I need to go back to be playing hockey. I want to be going back to playing hockey. And, uh, you know, I had friends, family, boyfriend was there. Just It just made sense to go back to Boston. Yeah, and you've you've been with the pride, and you know it's. I think it's easy for either anyone who has just kind of jumped on board, welcome uh, to the NWHL this season, or um, you know anyone who may, maybe is just looking one season at a time. Which again, to to everything that you've said so far is is very natural with where the NWHL is. But you have to remember, you were joining up a Boston team at the time that um, you know was very different than what you would have remembered it um, as 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 a, a competitor, right? Uh, so your first year with Connecticut, there were those epic battles. And then, you know, the Riveters in season two as well. Um, but, you, you know, you join up with a Boston team that is is really looking to, um, and this is in the Olympic year, if I remember correctly, in, in season three, um, you know, you're really looking to, uh, as a club, it, it, it reestablish itself. And you had the, um, you know, you had the advantage of with, with um, the season having already started before you, you signed up, being able to kind of see what that roster makeup was like. Um, what were some of those conversations as far as from the team, what you could offer but then also, um, what were some of the things that you were excited about? Then maybe what were some of the questions or, or the challenges that you thought that that could present? Yeah, um, I, I was following along the league um, for the for the couple games again. I only missed five games in, in that season, so um, I I could you know follow follow suit in, in that. There there also was a new coach, new coaching staff, uh, which was which was also. Uh, changing at the time, uh, there was a good core of players that had been there uh, since you know a year prior, or even a year before that, in in the in the inaugural year. So I uh, kind of knew the type of players. And then for the new players that were joining on out of college, or um, some that you know may have skipped the season before, and then saw how how well the league was doing and wanted to be a part of it, I, I knew a lot of players, and they all came from really uh, awesome. You know, colleges and universities uh, in the surrounding area. So uh, that was all very prompting when you when you individually uh, the, the individual group of players that you had in the locker room was great. Um, you know, new a new coach that had a lot of playing experience, uh, experience playing in the NHL and the pro level over in Europe, um, in some some really good leagues, and um, so knew that the wealth of knowledge that uh, Thomas could bring to to the team at the time. Uh, was good, and then you know they also weren't off to a great start when I joined on. So 
Um, that's kind of just the nature of, as you mentioned, the turnover and it being an Olympic year and just a different group, a different coaching staff, uh, just totally different setup that uh, it's the trials and tribulations that any organization goes through. So um, it's something that I was aware of, but also knew that uh, with the playing experience that I did have and even the time that I wasn't, um, you know, playing in the league or at, at first may have not, uh, you know, may, may have not known where my hockey career was standing. I was, you know, still on the ice and still in great shape. So uh, I knew that if I could come in and um, step in that I'd be able to, to add some benefit to that back end blue line. Yeah, for sure. And I want to talk to you a little bit about culture. We, we're, again, now uh, fast forward to pretty much the end of, of season five here. And I think Jillian Dempsey has been a player that in the last two seasons in particular has really caught the eye of, I think, the NWHL as a whole. Um, but again, you're coming into, as you just mentioned, um, uh, uh, with a new coach for the Boston Pride. It's a new team. And I think that's probably, if I had to guess, when Dempsey really um, was kind of looked to and had to step up a, as a leader. But I'm, I'm curious, you'd played against her for two seasons, but when you when you stepped onto that roster and and you were able to play alongside Jillian Dempsey in the NWHL, because, you know, we're talking about end up but um you know what what was that experience like to to be able to see her step into a new role that arguably she she might not have had in in quite a while in her hockey career yeah it was it was uh it was awesome joining on uh, you know with with Jillian um in particular just her being a, a player that had been there since day, day one and knowing her previously just from playing against her in the college level so um she you know like any player um when given an opportunity any good player I should say or a- every player when they get to this level um you know ha- has had success in their hockey career uh at some point in their career and so for for her um, you know, as talented of a hockey player she is and had to, how much success she had as a college player and even in, in year one and, um, you know, year two, um, when given an opportunity to step up and fill a role, um, you know, she she just as anyone else is capable of doing that. But when you see someone like her uh, step up, it's, you know, I, I'm personally not surprised about it, just knowing playing against her and just knowing her so tired of being able to play with her but um yeah I mean you know Dempsey is is definitely uh one of those players you know you mentioned that that Dempsey was uh saying that she was happy that you were uh with her and not against her which comes to my next question I've been asking the five timers now um you've played with a lot of the other eight players um, that that remain in the league. But if I did my math correctly, there's only two that you have not played on the same team with. And that would be, of course, Kareen Bowie, who played with the Boston Pride in season one and, and has now been with the Buttes. And Elena Orlando, you two swapped places essentially in season two. Um, so the the question is, what what are some of the things that stand out when you play against Kareen Bowie and Elena Orlando? Yeah, well, I actually got to play with Bowie and uh, with the Boston Blades. Um, I know not in the league, but but obviously prior to the NWHL. So um, obviously knew the assets of what she brought brought to the team uh playing against her 
um, it sucks playing against her because she is offensively such a threat. So, um, you know, she, she's big. She's, like, she's got great size. She's a great, got great speed. Um, but she can also put in the puck in the net. So, um, you know, she, you name all those three things, and you're like, well, if you got a forward that can do all that, she's obviously a threat out on the ice. Um, but she is. And, and, you know, this year, even specifically, she, she brought on, like, a total aggressiveness to her game. Um that uh, like a grit to her game that I, I actually haven't seen from her. So she was brutal to play against this year because, you know, then you add in the aggressive play and being able to do all those things. Um, certainly someone not fun on the back end. You always got to keep an eye out on her, but um, always good competitive hockey with her. Um, Orlando is someone who I think is very quiet uh, defensively, which is, is, is a good thing. Um, and, and what I mean by that is she doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Um, she knows she's not doing anything dazzling um, offensively, but defensively she's really sound. Um, and then when I got the opportunity to, to play um, you know, against her in the All-Star game, you could just see that like her stick positioning is, is unbelievable. Um, and some of the defensive plays that she made when we played against them, um, when we played against them this year, um, you know, she's her, her stick positioning, like I said, sound defensively, um, is like a great, you know, the definition of a, what you want to say, is stay at home defenseman. Um, but, but yeah, they're, they're in themselves, they're, they're obviously different players, but, um, you know, Orlando's going to shut things down defensively and, and Bowie is, um, you know, she's an offensive threat. Man, I love what you said for both of them. I completely agree with you with Bowie and her grit. I think the only time I've seen it um, in a big way was uh, during the, uh, I guess it would have been 2017, 2018, the Isabel Cup final against Boston. I guess that was 2017. And, I mean, she just just was in a totally another atmosphere in that game and and I think you you're absolutely right from what I've seen she she really brought that uh this year and then the same with with Lando I mean I don't know Freddie it almost sounds like you uh I don't know are pretty good at analyzing hockey or something that's crazy (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like the color analyst coming out that was great great storytelling I love it that's (laughs) um all right so some of the other questions we've been asking uh, all of the five timers is, um, you know, you, you've seen a lot. You've alluded to uh, some of the things that have happened in the league, and uh, you know, it, it's evidently clear that that women's hockey took took a hit this this off season, and and that has impacted the NWHL in, in a big way. But it's not the first time, um, and likely won't be the last, that the NWHL in particular um, is having to navigate some choppy waters um so with all of that said um what what do you think is important for for folks to understand about what it takes to commit to anything for five years but specifically to commit to the national women's hockey league for for the last five years yeah it's um it's it's a commitment but it's um it's a commitment knowing that um there's been a ton of growth within that time frame. You have to understand that, um, or you know, people uh, maybe not knowing the the you know the the I guess the st- the 
the state of women's hockey or, or women's pro hockey for that matter may not know a lot about it. And just important that um, what they have been able to do in in terms of um, adjustments and growth and um, implementing uh, different um, different things this year, like a 50-50 revenue split and, and Twitch deal and some of these things that have um, come within the past year or two, um, you know, has has He's shot up the, the growth of the league tremendously, and I think um, you know it's so important to understand that it takes time uh, in general. I mean, you look at the WNBA, and, and you know they're in 23 years now and are getting the CBA agreement that you know they've they've probably always wanted um, or have been hoping for in that time frame. Uh, you see the NWSL taking time. Um, yeah, a lot of sports do take time, and just the nature of hockey, um, you know, being even on the men's side, being far below the depth chart of um, some of the the other men's professional leagues out there. It just, uh, you know, it it, it takes time, um, and so I think um, for for the NWHL and for um, you know women's pro hockey um, and for players that have been in it. Um, you know, whether it's a year, two years, three years, whatever it may be, um, you know, it's a huge part to, to growing this in general, whether if you've been in it from day one or not, um, you know, all the players that have been, um, you know, that continue to, to do what they're doing, um, you know, being a part of the league, outside of the league, whatever it may be, um, you know, it, it's, it's super important. And um, I think as uh as uh, women's hockey grows and develops to um, on the youth level and, and, and even national level and, and some of the other um, levels globally, um, it's just it's so important to, to understand that it, you know there, there's a league that uh, needs to keep going and giving people a place to play and players to be compensated. But there's also tremendous tremendous growth to be had. And while things continue to grow um, in the NWHL and now being in its fifth season. Um, you just want it to continue to, to grow on top of that. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. but Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, uh, you know, then I, I've been asking everyone, also think ahead. Uh, you, you kind of gave me a great transition there, thinking about what, what that growth will be like. When you allow yourself to think, um, and, and we'll, we'll say in the next five years, of what the potential for a league like the NWHL um, could be, um, or even again, you you mentioned the youth level. You know what what do you want for the NWHL? What do you want for women's hockey in the next five years? And then, uh, where do you see yourself in that picture that you've painted? Yeah, um, you know, as this as you look to the future uh, of the sport, um, you know, I, I think that the biggest thing is. Um, you know, getting a, a TD rights deal, it, it would be massive for the league. And I think when something like that happens, um, you know, when there's when there's a, a broadcast TD rights broadcast deal, when that happens, um, I think that's going to be kind of the biggest pivotal point. And I think it's possible um, within that time frame. So you do talk about kind of that short-term five-year mark. Um, I think that's kind of the biggest turning point. Obviously, the first step. Um, for for the league and for for women's hockey has been this Twitch deal um, for the streaming deal. It, 
it's helped the league tremendously. I mean, tremendously, excuse me. You look at the viewership uh, just on a per game basis. Uh, and then you look at, um, you know, kind of the, the, the time that the contract has been uh, in place for the Twitch deal to see, you know, what, whatever it's at. I think unique viewers of 8 million unique viewers in, a, in, the, in the time frame of, of the season. So, um, you know, I think the biggest thing of what I'd love to see happen is that TV rights will happen within that five-year mark. Uh, obviously, you'd love for salary cap to go up. Um, I would say a salary cap goes up. Um, you know, what, what would be awesome is, uh, you know, more games, more teams, uh, expansion of those markets, um, you know, whether it's expansion of maybe one or two markets within that five-year time frame. Um, something like that is very realistic, and then you're bringing the – the, the team numbers up to six, seven uh, teams. Um, you know, th- those are kind of the, the, the immediate things that I think about in that in that five-year um, time. But, you know, obviously with that, there has to come, um, you know, immediate things like continued sponsors and sponsors uh, pushing, um, you know, more monetary, um, you know, value to their sponsorship deals so that, um, you know, right away that 50-50 impact can come into place. So, um, you know, thinking realistically, if all that kind of stuff can happen within the five years, I'd, I'd say that's, you know, really putting the sport in an awesome spot uh, 10 years later uh, from when the NWHL started. So, um, and then, sorry, your your other part to that question was, where will I be? Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, a, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I definitely... Uh, I, I did, I do have a, a passion and, and love for the communication side, um, you know, on the broadcast side with with color commentating. So if there was ever um, something to come up with that, would be great. Um, would be a cool kind of transition to make, just more on a uh, analytical side to to the game and be able to talk hockey. Um, but I think. You know, if I could go into um, on the business side of it, um, you know, I would, you know, into a business business role, uh, whether it's a general manager, um, you know, working on a, an operation side for for a team or running a team, um, would definitely be something that I think my younger ten year old self would love when I played NHL um, NHL like '97 or something back in the day, and I like <laughs> I was a, had the opportunity to be a general manager and you know pick my team and things like that. Um, you know that's always been something that I've, I've definitely wanted to do. So um, I, there's you know a couple avenues that I guess I could could explore, but um, yeah, as this league continues to grow and I'm done playing, I mean I want to play until I can. You have to pull me off the ice, but um, you know if I. When that time comes to kind of transition to the other side, uh, there's definitely an interest on on either the communications or the business side. The, you know, the multi-talented Kaylee Fracken. I I can't wait to see it. Honestly, I'm I'm ready for it. Let let's do it. <laughs> all of the things. Let's do all of the things. But before I let you go, um, I want to get your thoughts. Just we're in a unique position here. You um, usually train for a, a final. You know when it's going to be. Uh, you can kind of you know, space out your mental preparedness, your, your physical, obviously, uh, preparedness and practice and game planning, film, all of that stuff. But we're in a situation now where, you know, it's like this limbo between what, what we, I just mentioned and kind of maybe like an off season or like the off season, uh, gearing down, preseason gearing up. So for you, um, I mean, how, how are you kind of taking, uh, 
this time, knowing that, you know, fingers crossed, hopefully, knock on wood, there still is a, there's still an Isabel Cup to play for. Yeah, this, I've never been in a situation like this before. Um, and, and, you know, uh, I don't think anyone has. So, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's a trial, trial and error, uh, just trying to stay, um, you know, as in shape as possible, given the circumstances that gyms are shut down, rinks are shut down, uh, kind of to make the best of it. So uh, right now, um, you know, while training uh, indoors and making a very adaptive uh, style of working out, um, just just getting, um, you know, getting in a getting in a routine, a routine to, to understand that this is what it's going to be like for, for the next bit and kind of make the best of the circumstance. Uh, a lot of things I was thinking about yesterday, I was like, i got to get my stick out. i got to get, like, a golf ball out. i just got to go start stick handling and, and doing some things. Um, I'm about to be in Connecticut soon, so um, we have a whole basement and a whole, like, shooting area to go, so I'll probably have to go shoot some pucks and go back to some old-school type things that – um, you got to make the best of it um, in the situation. But uh, the good thing about it is, you know, we were in really, really good shape uh, and on the ice a ton uh, leading up to, to the semifinal game. And then, um, you know, it's it's really not that hard to get back into it um, after, given that hopefully this doesn't, you know, take, you know, months and months on end. So um, with that in mind, there's, there's still a lot of things that you can do off the ice. Uh, to, to keep at it and, um, you know, recover and, and do those types of things. Um, and it, it's also to get it's good at this time, too, to just get some rest. Uh, I think mental rest uh, is kind of a big thing, too. So, um, yeah, just getting prepared until the time where, uh, you know, we can get back at it as a team and, um, you know, get those practices in to, to hopefully play a game. So uh, doing, doing what we can given the circumstances. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I, I think you, you, you said it best. I don't think anyone's ever been in this position, uh, certainly not anyone that, that's still playing. Um, and so it's it's navigating the waters. I think we all are. But uh, hopefully uh, we can stay in touch with, with folks like yourself and, and just keep everyone, you know, keep the appetite going un- until you hit the ice. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I don't think with, uh, with our group this season, I don't think you'll – you know, you you won't hear anyone that isn't um, like we say as a team hungry to get out there. So it's uh, pretty much every other day we're in our group chat and you know, someone saying they're still hungry for the cup. So that's a good thing. But we are on day day two or day three of this, so long way to go. Well, uh, again, just want to make sure that you and yours are staying safe, staying healthy, and uh, we look forward to to cheering you on as you. Uh, as you head to the cup, we might have to have some fun though at Founding Four Pod and uh, see if we can get uh, an over under on on penalty minutes for you, Freddie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, we'll see. Let's, uh, you know, I, I, there's penalty I minutes. I mean, we could go. We, I could be an over under on a lot of things across the board. I'm saying, days, you know, I think I think that show has kind of followed you, but I don't know. I've been watching you lately. I think I think um, you know, spectacular block shots is the one I'd prefer to uh, do an over under on. Uh, <laughs> I'm really liking that. I'm liking it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of diving at the blue line. In. I don't know. It's uh, you got to. It was always known as the utility player. So 
you gotta you gotta do what you can, I guess, for the for the group wherever they need you. They need you to, you know, get out there and take a penalty. You be tough out there. You be tough. If you gotta put some points up, you put some points up. If you gotta dive, and you gotta do whatever. So I like to think myself as a utility player. I'm not a not offensive or defensive. I just kind of do everything. I like to like to think. I love it. I was a UT myself when I played, not hockey, not hockey, but just sports in general. So lots of respect for the utility. And then, of course, uh, I'm going to be keeping an eye out for that game day drip because now I know. Now I know your closet's <laughs> popping. So, <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> but uh, always a pleasure, Freddie. Thank you so much for your time, and uh, I'll see you soon, hopefully. All righty. Thank you. Thanks again. Yeah. Stay safe out there. Thanks. All righty. All right, hockey fans, that will do it for the Original 8 this week. Next week, we have our seventh installment of the Original 8. So if you're keeping count, that means we've got two more episodes after this interview with Kaylee Fratkin. Next week, we will head up to the Nutmeg State, hear from Freddy's Season 1 teammate, Jordan Brickner. Jordan unfortunately missed a good portion of season five due to injury. However, I was able to get her on the phone and hear how she and her family are handling, um, again, us being in the midst of coronavirus and having to buckle down. So I was really excited to hear from Jordan. I hadn't seen her around the rink in a while. We had a great conversation. And then Jordan Brickner will segue perfectly into our final interview for the original eight that is with the one the only madison packer mad pack is the first of the original eight to re-sign for season six of the nwhl i actually spoke to her the day the news of her re-signing was announced she had some great insight there and then we also get into Mad Pack over the years and how she has been able to evolve, not just as a hockey player, a lot of that having to do with an injury that she sustained and finally getting surgery for that, but also off of the ice um, as a person, as somewhat of an advocate, and now a wife and soon-to-be mom. Cute! Oh my gosh. So excited for these interviews. As always, thanks for sticking with the Founding Four podcast. We have on our more traditional episodes, we have some folks that have recently re-signed, you'll hear from on our next uh, on our next regular episode, and we'll go over all the re-signings. There's been a lot coming through, but that seems to bode well for what the future holds for the NWHL. Until next time, thank you for listening. Give us a follow at Founding4Pod. If you're able, join our Patreon posse. It's tough times for everyone here, but I want to continue to offer this as some way for us as the hockey community to connect. So please make sure that you are liking, subscribing, sharing, reading, and reviewing the Founding4 podcast so we can share all of the woho love feeling the love so we can share all of the woho love woho being women's hockey just in case you didn't know uh all right until next time folks please be safe be healthy be smart and we'll get through this together erica ayala out